Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Let's stand from our seats as we read Galatians chapter 4. Verses 1 to 7. Galatians chapter 4, starting from verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth, or God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son in an heir through God. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to see the beauty of the timing of your sending of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, this morning I pray that we would find hope in Christ and that our celebration of Christmas, Lord, will radically change as we focus on the perfect Christmas. Father, let your Holy Spirit work in the hearts of your people as your word will be preached in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Have you received your Christmas gift already? <laughs> and some of us are already buying our Christmas gifts months before December. Or some of you are already thinking, what am I going to get this Christmas? When we are children, we somehow rate Christmas, if it is good or a bad Christmas, on the gift that we receive. I think you can, you can relate with me. Uh, when we were kids, we, we used to do that. The best gift I probably have ever received, material gift, that I probably have ever received on a Christmas is a laptop. My wife uh, one time gifted me with a laptop and that changed a lot as far as my work is concerned. Actually, every Christmas, not every Christmas, maybe every three Christmas, every three years or four years, I, <laughs> I had no expectation that I would have a new laptop. Every three years. Well, surely it's sometimes gifts can be game changer. Or maybe a vacation, a gift of a vacation can refresh us. And we love it because we're able to get out of town. We're able to remove ourselves from the ministry na binibigay sa atin ng Panginoon. And it's just a joy to find rest. Or some of us, and we would say the, the greatest gift or the, the best gift that God has ever given me, this 
year is we're able to reunite as family, as a family, as, as relatives, and it's such a joy uh, to be with loved ones. But what gift could be life-changing for us is the question. What gift could be life-changing wherein it does not just, the effect of it will not just last a day or two, but it's really life-changing. It really changes your life because of that particular gift. Nah, I bet if you begin to scan in your mind those gifts, I bet you have even forgotten many of those gifts, if not all of these gifts. But there is one gift that we could not forget. And there is one gift that I think is really life-changing, and that is when God sent forth His Son, Jesus Christ. And to many of us here today, for us believers, we know that the sending of Jesus Christ has turned our lives right side up. In other words po, talagang binago yung ating buhay completely. Dahil po nung naintindihan po natin yung pagdating po ni Kristo. Especially if we understand why Jesus came, and that is that Jesus changed our status before God. Imagine yourself changing your FB status from slaves of religion. That's true to all of us. We were slaves with our religion to being sons of God. Now, religion is basically that we work to be loved by God. And we try to pay the love of God towards us. But that status has been changed when God sent forth Jesus and you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because you are now a legitimate son of God. Could there be anything more life-changing than that gift? Right? You are a son of God. That is why we entitle our sermon today, The Perfect Christmas. The Perfect Christmas is not 2021. It is not 2022 or before the pandemic. The Perfect Christmas goes all the way back 2,000 years ago when God sent forth His Son, Jesus Christ. This is what we will be learning in Galatians chapter 4 today. Now let me just give you a little background why Paul sent or wrote this letter to the Galatians. There were those who claimed to be from the mother church. At that time, there was a mother church that's in Jerusalem. And there were people from there who went to Galatia and told the church there that we are sent by James. We are from James, the head pastor of the Jerusalem church. And they were beginning to teach a teaching that says, yes, you have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you will not be fully accepted by God if you only put your faith in Jesus Christ. You also have to obey the law. Particularly, you also have to be circumcised. You also have to be circumcised. That's what they're teaching. They were teaching that it's not faith alone in Christ alone that saves. It's faith alone plus works. Sounds familiar? Especially in our country today, we get to understand that the people think, oh, Jesus is Savior. Jesus is the Savior. That's why in our country, halos lahat po ng Pilipino, in this time of the year, ay celebrate po ng Christmas. Because we are 
Acknowledging, ina-acknowledge po natin that Jesus is our Savior. But then they would say, yes, Jesus is our Savior, but then you also have to do good works. You also have to go to church. You also have to attend the Mass. You also have to confess. You also have to do all these things added to what Jesus has done for you to be saved. The question is, what does the Bible really teach us? When it comes to our salvation, pagdating po sa ating kaligtasan, ano po ba talaga yung tinuturo ng Panginoon? Ano? So dito po sa book of Galatians, in the book of Galatians, Paul basically answers the question, how can a sinner be justified? Malaking word, justified, no? Yung justified po ay para pong term siya in the courtroom where the judge would declare you justified. Sa court po natin, pagka justified po tayo, ibig po sabihin noon ay you have proven yourself not guilty, na hindi ka nagkasala. But in the court of God, you cannot prove yourself to be not guilty because you are guilty. But Jesus paid for your sins, all of your sins, so that while God said you are guilty, but then the punishment of your sins has been paid by Jesus fully. And if you put your faith in Jesus, then God says you are justified. You no longer have to pay for your sins because your sins have been paid by Jesus. That's the word justified. So, dito po sa book of Galatians, the question is how can one be saved? Now, that's a big question. How can one be saved? So dito po, ang ina-argue po ni Paul sa book of Galatians is that ang kaligtasan or yung salvation po natin is by faith alone in Christ alone and you do not have to add anything to what Jesus has done. You only have to put your faith in Jesus and Paul is saying, then you are saved. Then you are saved. For example, let me run through some Passages of Scripture in the book of Galatians. Bago po natin puntahan yung Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Open your Bibles to Galatians 2, 15 to 16. Here's what Paul said. Galatians 2, 15 to 16. We ourselves are Jews, so referring to Paul and the Jewish believers, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentiles. So, ano po ba yung Gentile? Yung Gentile po, pag hindi ka Jew, then you are a Gentile. Sa Bisaya po, pagka hindi ka pa po napapanot, you're, uh, you're not a Jew. Dahil sa Bisaya, Jew tayo yung buhok. Jew. Yet, what we know that a person is not justified, yet we know, sorry, that a person is not saved, is not justified by works of the law. We will not be justified, we will not be saved by the works of the law or by our obedience, but through faith in Christ Jesus. So we, including Paul, also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be saved or justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law, by our obedience to the law, no one will be saved. 
no one will be justified. Kaya ang sabi ni po ni Paul, in, in this thinking, if you really think you can save yourself by your own obedience to the Lord, look at what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2.21. He said, if you can make yourself right before God, kung magiging matuwid ka before God through the law, through your obedience to the law, then what, look at what Paul said, then Christ died needlessly. Then Christ need not to come here. Christ need not to become human. Christ need not to die on the cross. Because in the first place, you can actually save yourself by your own obedience. That is why if you look at the cross, it proved to us, bear with me, it proved to you, if you look at the cross, it proved to you that you and I can never really save ourselves. So that Jesus has to take our sins and get our curse, our punishment, to receive our punishment in the cross of Calvary because you and I can never save ourselves by our own works. That's what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. That's, that's why the people of God, if you want to be part of the sons of God, it will be through faith. Look at what Paul said in Galatians 3, 7 to 9. Know then that it is of it is those of faith who are the sons of Ab- who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Look at verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham. And Abraham is also the man of faith. It's our faith in Jesus that saves. It's not our obedience to the law or obedience to our religion. That's why Paul said, look at this. Think, think about this. Which came first? The law or the promise? Paul said, no, promise came first and the law later. So the law would not change how you will be saved because you will be saved through the promise. And the promise is his son, Jesus Christ. So in all of this, in all of this, Paul is clear that if a sinner, kung ang isa pong makasalanan ay maligtas at matanggap po ng Panginoon, it will be through faith in Jesus Christ. It will be through faith in Jesus Christ. The obvious question then is this. So if it is by faith in Jesus Christ, why did God give the law? Why did God have to give the law if it is by faith? And that's exactly what Paul wants to answer, starting from chapter 3, verse 19. Sabi po ni Paul, why then the law? If it's by promise, why then the law? What is the purpose of the law? Why did God give the law and ask the Jews to obey it, for example? So yung ating pong pag-aaralan po na passage today is part of this section ng Book of Galatians kung saan ini-explain ni Paul kung bakit binigay ng Panginoon yung law. Okay? Kung bakit binigay ng Panginoon yung law. And ito po ay further explanation ng chapter 3 verses 23 to 29. In other words, yung 3 to 20, Chapter 3, 23 to 29, pinag-usapan na po ni Paul yun. And then furthermore, he explained it in chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. Natingnan po natin 
In our passage today, Paul is dealing with the timing of the coming of Jesus. The timing of the coming of Jesus. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, When the fullness of time had come. When the fullness of time had come. It is yung plan ng Panginoon, yung salvation plan niya. Nag-promise siya, then nagbigay siya ng law, and then the fulfillment of the promise. So, promise, law, fulfillment of the promise. The question is, what is the role of the law? That's what we will find here. So, yung pag-uusapan natin is the, the timing, God's timing in the sending of Jesus. What makes the sending of Jesus perfect? Bakit perfect yung timing? And we will draw two things from our text. First, God sent Jesus when we believers trusted nothing but ourselves. No, we, we believers trusted nothing but ourselves. It's good to note for all of us here who have believed in Jesus, and especially for the Jews, God did not send Jesus when the Jews finally realized that they are in need of a Savior. It was when they were thinking they can save themselves and God sent forth Jesus. That's actually good news. It's good news. If Jesus would wait for you, if Jesus would wait for you, that you yourself would be the one to come to Him, that you might never come to know Jesus. The, the truth of the matter, it was God who came to you. It was not you who came to Jesus. Galatians 4 verses 1 to 3. I mean that the heir, as long as, as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Now, Paul is giving a metaphor here to explain one of the roles of the law and why it could be anything but freedom. Paul is trying to make us understand that when the law was given and the people obeyed the law, it can be described by a lot of things, but not freedom. It, it's not freeing, to say the least, enslaving four sinners. Remember, four sinners, because the problem is not in the law itself, the problem is with our sinfulness. I remember when I was in elementary, and I have a disciplinarian, uh, Tito, and he would always put us to bed at one o'clock in the afternoon. He would tell us, go to bed. That was for our good. But in my sinfulness, I felt like this Tito is really a killjoy. And I would close my eyes, and then as he closed the door, I was like, okay, it's time to play. What my uncle did was good, but my sinfulness is the problem. The same thing with the law here. In Roman culture, a child would be put under a guardian. You see on movies, have you seen on movies where prince, they were prepared to be the next king, but before that one, they will be under guardians. They will be trained 
in a lot of ways, how to eat, how to make transactions, how to use the sword. He will, they will be prepared until that time where the father would say, okay, you're ready, you're ready. It's the picture there. So the role of the guardian at that time is to train the child with everything he needed to learn so that when his father would entrust to him all his wealth, he will be responsible enough to handle them until the set date of the father. During the waiting time, before the father would give all his wealth to the son, Paul said, the heir, the child, the son of the master is no different from a slave. He is no different. He is the owner of all these things, but he cannot do anything with those wealth. He cannot spend those wealth. He cannot enjoy those wealth. The only thing he can do is to obey the guardian, the caretaker. In some sense, the child would have to work. Siguro sa isip po ng, ng child is, I need to work to earn the trust of my father so that at the right time, when the father sees that I'm ready, he will finally give me everything. It's not different. There's no different to a slave. In that way, a slave, as the son, would have to work so that he will gain the favor of his father. That's the picture there. Now remember, that is, this is an illustration. This is a metaphor. What is the point of Paul? Look at verse 3. In the same way, so that, that is how things done in the Roman time. Then Paul said in verse 3, In the same way, we believers, also when we were children, before Jesus Christ came, we're enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Although Paul was talking about the law, the law refers to the Jews. He expanded it by using the elementary principles of the world to include all kinds of religion at the time. Because if the Jews were obeying the law so that they will be accepted by God, correct me if I'm wrong, but all of us, in our religion, we try to adhere to what our religion asks us to do because in our thinking, if we follow the, our religion, then God will accept us. And the picture of that is we are trying to pay the favor of God. We are trying to pay the goodness of God. We are trying to pay the love of God. We are doing everything that God might love us. Is this what the Bible teaches? Now, the primary problem here, as I've said earlier, is our sinfulness. Why our sinfulness? Because here's the problem here. The flesh in the book of Galatians, we will understand the manifestation of our sinfulness, not because we raped somebody, but, but here's the manifestation. One of the manifestations of our sinfulness is this. We are sinners. We, we know we just lied. We know we just watched pornography. We know we just taken something that are not ours. But then we are proud to think that we could be good enough to be accepted by God. You get me? When, when, I, was, when I was not yet a Christian, I, I finished a nine days Don Mas. 
Because in my thinking, if I'll finish this nine days dawn mass, then at the end, somehow I feel holy and I'm accepted by God. All the while, this is the truth, all the while I attended every dawn, every night, all the while after mass, I'm sinning. Do you get my point? This is what is happening today in our time. We think that by doing our religion, we can be saved. All the while, we are sinning. All the while, we are gossiping. All the while, we are coveting. This is what happens here. And Paul is saying, that is why you cannot be saved by your own good works. You are just being proud, Paul says. Let's follow a little bit Paul's thinking in Galatians 3. As he was explaining the role of the law. Why, why the law? In verse 19, Paul said, well, the law was given because of sin. Imagine a father going out. <laughs> and the father knew exactly that his sons will be quarreling when he goes out. And then the father said, okay, here's the instruction. Follow my instruction while I'm out. So that the sons will be, whole, will be held at bay. Para hindi magulo yung bahay. Right? Because of transgressions, the law was given. But when the law is given, look at, look at our sinfulness. When there is a law, instead of we obeying the law, our sinfulness will be steered. No way. When I was in, I was studying for seminary, I went to a coffee shop. Coffee shop pa po nung time na yon. I, was, I went to a coffee shop. I overheard a ladies. No, I'm not eavesdropping. They just talk so much, right? I overheard them saying, the other one has an affair, an adultery with someone, and then I overheard, I clearly hear it up until today saying, mas masarap kasi yung bawal. That captures, that captures the heart of men. When we are given the law, what is prohibited by God, we want to do otherwise. We do not want to obey. In our sinfulness, we want to do or we want to disobey. Because we think by disobeying, the pleasures of this world are enjoyed by in sin. That is why, supposedly, as you become, that is why the law just makes you understand your sinfulness. And as you understand your sinfulness, this is how sinful I am. As you understand your sinfulness, then you get to understand that you are in need of a Savior. You get me? So two things that the law will do, it will inform you that you are a sinner and you are in need of a Savior. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 3.24, I'll read this in the NASB. Paul said, Therefore the law has become our guardian to lead us to Christ. To lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. What he's saying is that the law makes you understand you're a sinner. You need a savior. And you will put your faith in Jesus and be saved. So the purpose of the law is good. Isn't it? It makes you understand your sinfulness. It makes you understand your need of Jesus. 
However, in our sinfulness, here's, here's what happened. However, in our sinfulness, instead of realizing that we have sinned against God and we are in need of a Savior, what do we do? We treat the law, or the Jews treat the law as their way to be saved. And that is also true with our religion. We thought that by the things that our religion is asking, we can save ourselves. When we think about it, that is the exact manifestation of your sinfulness. Because you are proud enough to say, Lord, I'm so good. You have to accept me. I've never, I've never failed to attend church. I've never failed to pray every day. I've never failed to help the people around me. I have never failed to do this, Lord. I've never did this and done that. So, Lord, you must accept me. But God is perfect. And those things could never be perfect. So we are paying, and that's not good. Look, look at an illustration in the scripture just very quickly. Luke chapter 15, verses 25 to 32. I think we are all familiar with the parable of the prodigal son. This is the elder son. Luke 15, 25. Now his older son was in the field. So they were now partying because the sinful son has come home. The father threw a party. Verse 25, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, ah, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatten calf. Because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. No, I would not going to join that party. So his father came out and entreated him. Come in, join the party. Verse 29, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. In other translation, it says, I have been slaving you. I was working like a slave to you. And I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. So this elder brother obeyed his father that his father will give him a goat. Verse 30, but when, sorry, but verse 29, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours was devoured, has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This elder son, he was with the father. Not unlike the younger brother who left, squandered the money, he was always with the father. He's trying to obey dad. Probably you think of them, you, they were... They were probably talking in the night what happened to your younger brother. And yeah, dad, I pray for him that he would come to his senses. Maybe just saying the father, they were talking. And he, he really felt like, oh, that brother is sinful. Forget him, dad. I'm, I'm with you. I've been obeying you. I've been doing these things. But all this time, his thinking is not that of a son. His thinking is that of a slave. How does a slave think? I have to work, I have to work so that I get the favor of my master. That's what a slave 
And that is why I said earlier, if we do all these things that we get the favor of God, then we are no better than a slave who works for the love of God. Are you working for the love of God? Are you coming here today because you're thinking, Lord, if I go there today, I hope you would love me. I hope you would answer what I'm asking you. Let me remind you that kind of mindset is a mindset of a slave and not of a son. Are we using our religion to be sure that God would accept us and love us? We might think, oh, that's noble. That's better, pastor, than those who would never come to church. It's still better to think that I have to come to church so that God will accept me. The truth is this. It's pride before the Lord. You refuse to humble yourself before God and realize that you can never be good before God. So as they say, stop it. Stop that kind of thinking. But here is the good news. Here's the good news. God sent his son when his love, when his people, Israel, before Jesus came, were proud to think that they can make it to him by their obedience to the law. In our case, here's the thing. God found you. God found me. And brought me to Jesus when I was proud to think that I can save myself by my good works. The goodness of God is that he does not wait for us. Even when we were so proud to think we can be good enough, God can come to us and save us. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8, particularly verse 8, tells us, God demonstrated his love towards us. Through this, when you were yet sinners, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see the picture? He loved us when we were yet sinners. Not when we were good, but when we were yet sinners, he loved us. So it was a perfect timing because it was when we were still proud. Secondly, God sent Jesus to redeem believers when they trusted nothing but themselves. So even though they were proud, that God sent his son to redeem the proud. Look at verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, think of the salvation plan again of God. He promised, he gave the law, and in the perfect time, he fulfills it through Jesus. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. God sent to redeem. God sent Jesus to redeem. Take note carefully. Redeem, we will be looking at that later on. It's to pay. It's God who paid. Are you following? It's not you who pay for your sins. It's God who would pay for your sins. Because God alone can afford to pay. Four questions I would like to throw in here. One. What does the word redeem means? Ano po ba ibig sabihin kung sasabihin nating pagtubos? Second, who will God redeem through Jesus? 
Sino po ba yung mga taong i-redeem ng Panginoon? Pangatlo, how will Jesus redeem? Paano ba i-redeem ni Jesus or pabayaran ni Jesus yung ating kasalanan? Pangapat, what is the purpose of redemption? Bakit po ba may redemption? Ano po yung purpose po ng Panginoon? What do you mean by the word redeem? Redeem po means to get back something na sa'yo naman yun in the first place, but you lost it for whatever reason, and you want to get it back. Pero pag, para makuha mo yung bagay na yun, pabalik, you have to pay the price. That's redeem. In the scripture, it is applied to the land. Many of the Israelites, because of some debts, they lend their land. But then if they want to get their land back, they have to pay their debts. That's redemption. Some, medyo mas nabaon pa po sa utang, after they, they sell their land, they could no longer pay their land, but still they do not have money to eat. What happens is that they will sell themselves or their children. They become slaves. When they become slaves, they will no longer have any capacity to pay for themselves. In Scripture, many times, the relative, the closest relative, will be the one to pay for your debts, to redeem you back or your land back. Here, it is God. It is applied to God. We are created by God. In the first place, we are God's possession because siya po yung naglikha po sa atin. But we were lost. God lost us to sin. And we understand in the scripture that God wants people back to himself. The problem is these people have sinned against him. He could not, they could, God could not just bring them back to himself because they are sinners. And it was God who put that price tag. God said, if anyone sins, here's the price tag. The price tag is, the de- is death. There is no other payment but the death of the innocent. So, so then... God paid for our sins, binayaran po ng Panginoon yung ating kasalanan through Jesus Christ. In fear of being redundant, but I think we still have to ask the question, who will God redeem? Uh, who are the, His creation, who among them that He wants to bring back to Himself? Paul said in verse 5, those who were under the law, those who were under the law. Now, technically, it's for the Jews, but it's for all human being. In the first place, if you remember Adam, God said, you have to obey me, and the moment you disobey me, you'll die. Now, all, the, all of us who came from Adam have sinned against God, have inherited that sin, so that if we will be brought back to God, payment should be made. We are all under the law. That is why, look at the third question. How will Jesus then redeem us? If we are under the law, how will Jesus redeem us? Paul said, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. I'm pretty sure that all of us here are born from our mothers. We have different mothers, but we all have mothers. Meron po ba dito na walang nanay na nagsilang sa'yo dito sa mundo. Paul's point is simple. 
Jesus, the Son of God, became human. He became human because he has to save human beings, people who are under the law. And that is why, secondly, not only that he was born of a woman, he was born under the law. By becoming human, Jesus submitted himself under the law. He was obliged to obey the law. How did Jesus become under the law? Two things. Or how will Jesus redeem sinners by being under the law? Two things. First, if Jesus has to redeem you and I as a human being, he has to He has to fully obey where we have failed. That's why the Bible says Jesus is sinless. All of us here, I don't know your secrets. I do not know you. I do not know your parents. I do not know your life. And you can tell me, Pastor, don't judge me. You don't know me. But one thing for sure, I can be confident of this, even though I do not know. No, I can, I can be confident of this, that you sinned against God. And you need somebody to obey on your behalf. So Jesus fulfilled where you failed. And that is full obedience. Secondly, not only that Jesus has to fully obey for your behalf. For your behalf. Jesus also have to fully pay for your sins. Jesus also have to fully pay for your sins. We know that sinners are under God's judgment. So think about it. When a baby is born here on earth, they are cute. We love them. We cannot take our eyes from them. For those who are new parents, you cannot, you cannot help but, but rush on your way home because you're just so excited to smell the breath. You know, of your baby, yung laway. Bakit kaya mabango yung laway? They're so cute, but but that baby, when he's born, in fact, when he is conceived in his mother's womb, he is already under judgment. We were born in this world under judgment already, under a curse. So if Jesus has to pay any of us, he has to pay the punishment. He has to pay the curse. That's why, for a moment, read with me Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Paul said, Christ redeemed us, paid for our sins, from the curse of the law. How? How did Christ redeem us back to God from the curse of the law? By becoming a curse for us. He took our place. For it is written, why did we say Christ became a curse for us? For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. So when Christ was on the tree, everyone who is hung on the tree, the Old Testament says, is cursed. Christ was cursed, but we know that Christ shouldn't have been cursed because he did not sin. So why was Christ cursed in the cross? He was cursed not because he sinned. He was cursed because of your sins. He paid for your sins in the cross 
of Calvary. So it is no wonder why the Son of God has to become fully human, obey the Father fully up to death, and died on our cross on our behalf because it was the only payment, listen to this, it was the only payment acceptable to God for your sins. It was the only payment acceptable to God for your sins. God will not receive any payment other than that. Think about this. If you owe me one million and you have to pay me one million and you said, Pastor, I'll just pay you 100,000. No, you cannot pay me 100,000. You owe me 1 million. The only payment that I would accept is 1 million. That's the acceptable payment. Any payment other than that would not be acceptable. Do you get me? We then understand that because the payment of your sin is the death of Jesus Christ in the cross, whatever religiosity you have, however you obey in your religion, however you obey, quote-unquote, God, that cannot pay for your sins. It cannot. Because the price tag is the death of the sinless. That's the price tag of your sin. There is no other way for us to be saved but that Jesus has to die on the cross. The question now is, okay, God bought me back. For what? For what? People in Jesus' time, they would go to a slave market where slaves are being sold. They will pay for a slave, get that slave out there. But do you think when they get that slave out of that market, do you think that slave will become his son? No, they will pay that slaves so that when they get home, they will be his slaves. The question is, we were slaves to our religion, but when God took us out, did God took us out from that situation only to become his slave? And he, here's the good news. Here's the beauty of that. When God paid for your sin, took you out of that slave market of sin, he did not took you out there so that you will just be slave. God took you out there. Jesus paid for your sins there so that when he gets you out there, you become his son. That's why Paul said, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The difference between a slave and a son is that a slave works for the favor of his master, but the son, listen, the son, before he would do anything, before he could even do anything, he already has the favor of his father. He does not have to work for the love of the father. He does not have to earn the goodness of the father. He does not have to merit the favor of the father. Any father here knows it. You are a bad father when you say to your son, you have to be a doctor first so that when you become a doctor, I will love you. That's the epitome of a bad father. A good father says, I'll send you to school because I love you. And you do not have to go to school, so I would love you. I already love you. 
That's the difference of a son and a slave. So here is the question here. Do you want to continue working on the love of God? Or would you accept Christ so that even before you do anything for God, God already loved you and accepted you because of Jesus? So God did not simply pay for our sins so we would become his slave, although that's true because he is God, we are supposed to obey him. But the difference is that we don't obey him to earn his love because we are his sons. God did not redeem us. God did not pay for our sins to make us a slave, but to give us the full rights, the full rights of being a son. For years now, we always have somebody working with us. Um, and we love them. Judith, we love Judith. <laughs> she has been working with us, I don't know, for six years. Five years. And she's like a daughter to us. But I think there is still a difference between Judith and our children. I don't know if it would happen, but if she would stop serving us, I don't know if I will still give her salary. That's the difference with our children. The elder, the younger son of the elder son earlier went home. He squandered everything that the father has. And then he went home and he was thinking, oh, I've sinned. So he practiced a peace. He said, this is what I'll say to my father. Father, I am not worthy to be called your son. I have sinned against heaven and before you hire me. Just make me your slave. But before he was even able to finish this line to his father, look at Luke chapter 15, starting from verse 18. Uh, sorry, 22. So his father ran to him, and he attempted to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. The father did not listen to that. Verse 22, this is what the father said. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand. And shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Everything being mentioned there tells us that the father is giving the son the full rights of being a son. So yes, we obey if you are in Jesus. Yes, we obey God, but not to earn his favor as a father. For he loved us already in Jesus. Our love for God is dependent on God's love for us. Our love for God is dependent on God's love towards us, but his love towards us has never been dependent of our love to him. Think about this. this. This could be, there could be no greater security than this. Done to be loved, not because of my performance, but because of Jesus. That is security. Why is it security, Pastor? Here's the security of it. God's love for me will never change. I will sin. I sinned I sin yesterday. I sinned this morning. I will sin tomorrow. I will sin my way all throughout my life. But here's the security. God's love towards me will never change because His love for me 
is dependent not on me, but on Jesus. And in Jesus, I am adopted as sons. My son would fail me a thousand times. He would fail me a thousand times, but my love for him remains. This is the love between the father and the son. It's not based on performance. The love of the father for you, when you put your faith in Jesus, will not change even if you fail a million times. Now that's real security. Yung po yung totoong security. Now very quickly and I'll end. Two blessings for the adopted sons of God. If you are a son, first Paul said, he will give you the Holy Spirit to affirm to you that you are a son. You might still think, am I really a son? But he gave his Holy Spirit for the sole purpose, if not for any other reason, but that you may understand that you are truly a son of God. You can cry to him, Abba. Secondly, if you are a son, we are heirs in Christ Jesus. In this lifetime, never po siguro ako magiging tagapagmana. May mamanahin po ba kayo? I bet ako wala po akong mamanahin. No? Hindi-hindi ma-apply sa, sa sarili ko yan na si Enting ay tagapagmana. Tagapagmana ng paso, pwede. I may never be come an heir at tagapagmana in some sense, but here's the beauty of this, because when we are in Jesus, we become heir. Tagapagmana po tayo ng Panginoon with Christ Jesus. So why would God go to the lengths of sending His Son, Jesus Christ? This is the question at the end of the day. Why would God the Father would go to the point of even giving His Son for proud people like us, who people who thought we can, we can make it to heaven by our own obedience. Why would God even give His Son to us? Praise be to God. Because here's the thing. When God promised, He will do. Why did God send His Son, Jesus Christ? Here's the answer. Because He promised. Because He promised. And if you ask, why did God choose me? Why am I here today? Why do I hear the gospel? Why did God work in my heart so that I put my faith in Jesus? Here's the answer to that. Basta. Why did God choose you? Because He loves you. Why did God love you? Because He loved you. And Lord, give me one reason. My wife sometimes asks me, just give me one reason. Why did you love me? And sometimes I'm ashamed to say, well, yeah, because you're beautiful, you would really ask that. But I would say, no, because I love you. But for God, He cannot say, because you're beautiful. And you would ask, ask the Lord, Lord, please, just give me one reason outside of yourself. Why do you love me? And you would hoping with God to say, because you give something to a child. Because you are better than the rest. Because you are more beautiful and you are more handsome. No, God could not see any reason outside of himself. But that God would just say, I'm a loving God and I choose to love you. 
That's why I gave my son to you. Here's, this, here's what this calls us. If we understand that we were so proud to even think that we can save ourselves, and yet God sent forth his son Jesus Christ and brought you to Jesus Christ, here's the right response. Put your faith in Jesus. Stop trusting in your own religiosity. Stop thinking that you can save yourself by your obedience to the Lord. Understand that salvation has never been about our salvation because it was given through a promise. And if it was through a promise, you just have to believe on the promise. Believe that Jesus paid for your sins. And the Bible says, you will be saved. I hope today is the end of our religiosity. That we would no longer obey the Lord just so that the Lord loves us. That, that we come to this point wherein we say, I will stop this. I will no longer obey so that God would love me because I understood it's not me who first loved God. God first loved me by giving His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm putting my faith in Jesus for my salvation. And if you all put your faith in Jesus, here's the, the second one where you can honor God. Continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. The problem in the book of Galatians is that this Galatians says, put their faith in Jesus, but then they believe the lie that putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone by faith alone, they believe in the lie that it is not enough, but you have to add good works. So if you are a Christian, stay in that faith. When Paul outlined the Old Testament for them, Paul outlined the Old Testament. Here's, I want you to understand Galatians, what is happening here. Don't be confused with the law. Because the law was not the salvation because the promise was given first. When Paul outlined the Old Testament, it tells us that the Galatians has to know the Scripture more. Christians, understand this. We have to dig into the Scripture. Not because we're saved. We can say, I'm already saved. I understand the Gospel. I'm done with that Gospel and I move forward. No. We have to dig deeper into Scripture so we get to understand the Gospel better so that whatever Paul's teaching that will come to us, it will not sway us from the faith. Thirdly, worship God instead of earning His love. Instead of trying to obey because you want to earn, why don't you just worship God? Why don't you just thank God? Why don't you just sing songs to Him? Why don't just you give your life to Him as your way of thanking God? Let's stop. As, as Christians, there are still times wherein if we are praying for something, Lord, please give me this one. And then you think, so that God will answer me, then I have to serve. I have to serve the Lord so He would answer my prayers. Well, there's a thin line there because we might be guilty of still paying the love of God. We are not to pay the love of God. You may better love God. If I give you a gift today, and after I give my gift to you, tas kukunin mo yung wallet, tas sasabihin mo, magkano to, pastor? And you insult me. When you are given the gift, the best way to respond is to show how grateful we are. Right? You also insult me when I give you a gift and then you say, ah, okay. And then I visit your house and then I saw 
Oh, the gift is not yet opened. This is last Christmas, di ba? It just shows our ungratefulness. The way to respond to the gospel is we grow in our thankfulness and gratefulness to God. In conclusion, the perfect Christmas happened when God sent His Son to fulfill the law so that He would redeem us and make us His Son. Those who were used to be enslaved by sin, that He may make them their Son. A meaningful Christmas today happens when we celebrate what God gave us during the perfect Christmas. In other words, this is the reason why we're gathered together. Because we are all grateful for the coming of Jesus. I hope this year, let me ask you this question. What would change your celebration of Christmas? Let's come before God in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for giving your Son, Jesus Christ, to us. Father, we pray that lahat po kami dito, Panginoon, ay maintindihan po namin, Lord, yung ginawa ni Kristo. At maintindihan po namin, Panginoon, na wala pong ibang kaligtasan kundi sa pamamagitan ni Kristo. Lord, today we pray that we will celebrate together the coming of Jesus with a sense of gratefulness and gratitude in our hearts. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.